Can you hear me there? I can't hear you. And with computer with audio. Huh? Oh, there you are. We've just been connecting. We were on Google Chats first, and we switched over to Zoom. What's that beeping sound? Beeping? Oh, I don't know. Probably an email on my phone. I'm so sorry. Here, I'm going to silence that. And you're asking me about my week, but I'll ask it back. How's your week been? Pretty good, all things considered. Tomorrow is my birthday, which I oh. don't care about anymore, but people have right. remembered, unfortunately. So that's cool. May 11, 1987. Correct. Wow. Well, this is an important year because you need to calculate out when you'll be 33 and a third. Okay, so approximately 120 days after tomorrow. Yeah, yeah, but I guess it's about four months, right? So that's like sacred geometry, um, man. That's transformation. <laughs> so in 12 episodes, we'll be there. We'll have to do um, your third century celebration. Yeah, that's cool. That's a great idea. Okay, all the work towards. So good, good week. Uh, a lot did a lot on my garden, and uh, I started rereading The Invisibles, Graham Morrison's big work, and I made some headway on Jerusalem by Alan Moore, the new novel, and my note-taking skills are coming up. I put page numbers on my notes now. It's yeah. Nice. Refer back to that shit. Exactly. We're recording this for a, a podcast. What, what is our podcast? We need to come up with a name. A name? Oh, I have no idea. Do you know there are already four Neon Genesis podcasts. Yeah, well, and so, so I was trying to think, so like, I also, I watched some like YouTube videos and I was like, oh man, there's people that know a lot about this show, right? And I don't think we can really compete with that, right? So we're not like experts, we're like not diehard fans. What, what are we bringing to the table? Like what, why should someone listen to this? Oh, okay, so what it seemed to be is all of the others, as far as I could tell, were one person was rewatching it, and the other person had never seen it. There was a fresh watch for them, right? Mm. Uh, and we are not that. So yeah. we're already distinguished. So I guess you haven't watched it since the first time when we were like teenagers. Yeah, absolutely. And that's, that's, some of, that's a lot of the joy I'm hoping for in this rewatch is that, uh, I don't know, the way I think politically now will be different. Like, I guess I never put together when we were first watching it that this is... Uh, not a post-apocalyptic, but it's like the snap, right? The Thanos snap, half the population of the world is gone. Yeah. Well, that's what this is following. Like the movie that I wanted Endgame to be, that's what Neon Genesis is. Like it happened. We're not going to try to get anything back because that's insane. We have to move forward, which is very cool. Yeah. I do think I've decided personally that that's like the mathematically most tragic thing that can happen. <laughs> have, have I told you this theory of mine before? It, surface level, it makes absolute mathematical sense. Well, it, it's like, you know, like the, the rectangle with the biggest area per the sides is like a square. Like if all of the world dies except for one person, that's like very tragic. That's the most death but only one person experiences that grief, sure. right? So that one person, though they experience a deeper level of grief, the overall grief experienced by yeah. the population of the universe or even just the planet, there is that 50-50 sweet spot. Yeah, yeah exactly. The most yeah. grief to the most people. Yeah, I think that just might be like the most tragic thing, which is like why it's so good for like an epic story. Right, it's, pretty, it's a pretty wild idea. And that's not, um, that came in the, the research I was doing 
they uh, slowly unfold where the world is, like really solid world building as opposed to a bunch of exposition, you know, like, I don't know. Yeah. I, w- I was reading a little bit of the, the manga. It's actually, it's unusual. So often like manga gets adapted into anime, right? Mm-hmm. And so I just assumed it was going to be that way. But actually like in this case, this is like one of the biggest animes that was like actually an original work and not an adaptation. Oh. Uh, and then the manga is just like created following the popularity of the TV show. <laughs> oh, so the manga is more like a novelization. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And I, uh, I study Japanese kind of on the side. So one of the things that was kind of interesting is like in the Japanese version, the first thing is just like this really long exposition, you know, like eight paragraphs of like, in this year, this thing happened and like the world went into like chaos and there are like, there's ethnic violence and blah, 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 and blah, 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 blah. And then like in the American version, it was just like the pictures of them and like they hadn't translated any of that exposition stuff. Oh, what? <laughs> That's so uh, bizarre. Because yeah. like one that's not like the the anime. Like the anime slowly reveals how the world is after, uh, over time, right? Whereas uh, it's also unfair to the English readers <laughs> because there's all this information they're not getting. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, exactly. So I, I do think, I think that, I don't know. I, I think I'm more of a fan of like the slow reveal of of information about the world versus like, you know, a wall of text exposition right at the beginning, like Star Wars style or Blade Runner style. But uh, I don't know. And then it makes it more rewatchable, right? Because then the second time around, you can go in knowing a little bit more about the world. And then maybe there's like little things in there that you understand that you didn't the first time around. Yeah, absolutely. And so in the manga exposition, the first episode, things happening in the first episode, it's like, right when things were starting to get back to normal again and like they were finally like rebuilding and like recovering. So it's supposed to be like the end of the calamity basically is like where we're starting. Okay. And I think there's some, some symbolism there. Like I find with a lot of Japanese uh, pop art is that there are reverberations of the atomic bomb, right? I don't know what was happening 15 years after the war in uh, Japan, but I bet it was like a massive amount of social unrest. Yeah, no, it was, it was like, it was nuts for a while, man. Yeah. Yeah, I, I started reading a book on it. I never finished it called like After Defeat. It's this like Pulitzer Prize winning book about Japan after the war, but there are like crazy food shortages and there is like this black market for food and like, yeah, as well. So I think we should probably like get to the episode soon. But I think before we get there, I guess we should like introduce ourselves. Okay, so uh, I'm Alex Avila and I am a first time podcast recorder and I recently quit my job at Domino's. Uh, So let's see if I have to go back. (laughs) (laughs) Um, And I'm uh, Ben Kiebrick. I work on true crime podcasts right now and uh all of the advertising is disappearing it seems like so uh <laughs> hopefully we make it through the pandemic guys um 
So, so Alex, you're, you're in Virginia, Northern Virginia, Fairfax, where we Correct. both grew up. We're old friends. Um, we've like, I think we've done a like pretty good job of like staying in touch, but we definitely don't normally like talk every week or anything like that. Correct. This is the most time we've gotten to spend with each other in the last at least five years. And it's pretty awesome. Yeah. So, so the plan is we're going to watch an episode of Evangelion every week, get through it. Is that the plan? You're yes. We're, we're on Zoom right now. We're recording this. So we can see each other, which is bizarre. Yeah. What, what are you squinting at? You did it again. <laughs> oh, I'm trying to queue up Neon Genesis. Oh, fuck. I, I haven't even started doing that. Okay. Um, so we'll, I hate how Netflix just like starts playing stuff now. It's very distracting. Um, so we'll, yes. at some point, we'll just like start playing the episode and then uh, you can watch it if you want to watch it as well. And then we'll jump in time to once we've already watched it and we will discuss it. Sounds uh, like a plan. Alex is still squinting. I'm sorry. I'm trying to see what the time marker is so that uh, we can sync it up. But it's not giving me a like time elapsed marker. It's only giving me a time remaining marker. So my time remaining marker says 2330. 2330? Okay. That, that, that sounds good. I, I got mine to 2330 remaining. Okay, cool. Well, uh, since you're the pro, if you want to count it down. Um, okay. In the year 2015, an angel returns to attack Tokyo 3. Misato Katsuragi transports Sinji to the nerve base overseen by his estranged father, Gendo. They really, uh, they really assume you know what's going on. Just like, yeah, an angel attacks. These people's names, whatever. Um, so anyway, this yeah. is episode one. Here we go. Oop, wait, sorry. I was supposed to count you down. All right. That's okay. Uh, three. Wait, we, we should do it together. Oh, I'm at 23.25 now. Sorry. <laughs> okay. With the, um... The Tree of Life is the background, the Sephiroth. What does Sephiroth mean? Or that's not, the Tree of Life is Terra, I think, maybe. And then each of the uh, spheres on it, I think, is called a Sephiroth. It's from uh, Jewish Kabbalism. I'm seeing a thing with a bunch of, like, wings with eyes on them. Uh, Now I'm at 2325. I've seen the tree that you're talking about. Okay. One thing, just, like, reading about a little bit... I feel like something that I've always liked about it a lot is like all the religious imagery and stuff like that, that there, there is this stuff that's like very mythical about it. And then it seems like reading about it, that was very intentional, obviously. And like, yeah, I recognize the Christian imagery, but I'm curious, like evidently there's a bunch of like Shinto imagery and yeah, like Kabbalah stuff. And like, I wonder if that stuff, I'm just like, oh, that's some cool shit they made up but really it's, you know, other stuff that they're kind of like taking from these mythologies that I'm just not familiar with. Yeah, which is pretty common, but uh, uh, is used to great effect here. And maybe it wasn't as common before this. Maybe this is a real trendsetter. You mean mean it's common to like, kind of like steal stuff from mythology? Yeah, to match several mythologies together. Uh, Like Berserk does that. And a lot of the uh, things from Berserk do that. Mm. Uh, Final Fantasy does that. Dark Souls does that. Yeah, I guess I want to refill my drink. Uh, Take your time. I'm, I'll go grab coffee and then we'll start. Cool. Welcome back. Hey, you're drinking coffee? Yes, black coffee. 
I've went to the the liquor store, I guess, since the first time since this all started yesterday. And I got a um, coconut water rum. Okay. I've heard of coconut rum. What makes it coconut water rum? But, like, it just kind of tastes like coconut water. Oh, cool. <laughs> Do you mix it with anything? Uh, I mix it with, like, seltzer. Uh, was it you and me who tried to mix gin with seltzer and it just got worse and worse and worse as we tried to, like, dilute it and add sugar to it? I don't remember that in particular. I remember one time trying to mix like port, like fortified wine with like anything that made it better. And I think at one point we like crumbled cookies into it. (laughs) That sounds like a good time. To be be clear, we were like 16 or 17 when this was happening. (laughs) This is not us as 30 year olds. No, uh, yeah. So we met I guess you're half a year older than me. Yeah. I was in fourth grade. We were the same class. Nine, 10? Yeah. Uh, Yeah, we met on the bus and within the year we were pretty close friends. Like we were on the same bus, but it took a little while to figure out that we had a lot of uh, interests in common already. Yeah. Uh, Like Final Fantasy, Zelda, a lot of Japanese stuff. It was like D&D, if I remember right, was like the first time we like really talked. Oh, that probably set me off because I was obsessed at that point and you had, I think, had an opportunity to play, whereas I had just been pouring through these manuals wanting an opportunity. Because <laughs> they were your, your brothers or something like that? Yeah, I think so. And he only had like a couple and you had a couple, I don't know. And then eventually I bought like my own, like a new revised set when it was like, we were playing like 2.5 essentially. Yeah, AD&D as yeah. it was called then. Yeah. Back then, D&D was just like, first edition that was like the shit where they didn't have races in classes you were just like a dwarf or an elf oh yeah if you were a class like a fighter or cleric you were a human yeah <laughs> nobody else got to be this thing like, <laughs> they oh. were just like like all dwarves were fighters and all elves were like fighters fighter that had yeah. some magic yeah exactly yeah <laughs> all halflings were just like weird thieves <laughs> yep. <laughs> yeah so we met when we were in elementary school mm-hmm. we were going to like a weird nerd elementary school so we had long bus rides it was like a magnet school but then we yeah we lived near each other hung out and uh i think so i'm pretty sure we watched neon genesis for the first time in middle school we went to otacon so definitely would have learned about it there because that was like one of the big animes at the time like and like Gainax was kind of like a thing. I think when we watched Neon Genesis we definitely watched them on your computer. We like tore through it. We went through like what are there 24 episodes Uh, and we tore through it in I think less than a week. Yeah Um, 26. For some reason a lot of the Japanese stuff is 13 or 26 which like I think maybe ends up just being like you know, business quarters or something like that. Yeah, that makes sense. 26 is like, yeah, half a year. Yeah. Yeah. Somewhere there. And I think before starting the series, either from maybe like reading about it on like webcomic blogs or hearing about it, there is this idea of like, is Evangelion actually good? Or is it just psychological, like, fan torture? So it was like Game of Thrones before Game of Thrones. People are like, wait, is it actually compelling? Or are you just addicted to them, like, killing off your favorite characters? Yeah, like, is this actually good? Or are they being kind of just, like, emotionally manipulative in a cynical way? 
And that's why you like have to like keep watching is because it's like Stockholm syndrome or something. Hmm. Do you remember that? I feel like that was like some sort of a thing. It was a very that definitely was, sounds right. It was a divisive anime, I think. Yeah, and it's this culmination of a lot of animation tradition up to that point because the creator, uh, Ano, is that his last name? Yeah, Ano, Hideaki Ano. He's the student of and worked under. Hayao Miyazaki and uh, Itano Ichiru. Uh, I think that's how you say his name. And I think that's uh, the right guy who I didn't know was like really instrumental in Mobile Suit Gundam and Mm -hmm. uh, like a lot of mecha anime, Macross. And he pioneered uh, this style of animating action sequences so that the camera is moving along with Mm -hmm. the thing. Uh, And it's called like Itano Circus. I didn't know the Miyazaki thing. That's really cool. Right. And so this is, it is an important work if we believe that heads of the industry are an important thing, right? So... What uh, what do you mean by that? Like, so I don't know that great men really move history along. I think it's all of the efforts of the people under those great men. But as far as like great men are a focal point, then it's an important anime because it is in this tradition of very well-respected creators. Yeah, I do think we do tend to give individual people credit for like the work of other people. And mm-hmm. and I do think sometimes probably we give the wrong people the credit, right? In these oh, like yeah. collaborative projects. But but someone has to make those decisions, right? And so the the people in power are in some ways in control and they're the people being like, should we redo this? Should we keep this? Whatever. And maybe sometimes they're just like, curating the good work by like the actually super talented people underneath them. Mm. But if they were a bad curator, you wouldn't end up with the good shit. Right. And you wouldn't eventually, well, we, we hope that no one would eventually care about them. Um, but yeah, you're right. <laughs> like for better or for worse, it is, it is a system that uh, uh, like, it is the system in which this creative production was produced. And so it like study of those people at the top is valid. That makes sense. Uh, yeah. Oh, and we need, I want to look up and we need to talk about Space Runaway Aedion. I don't know how you pronounce it. It's I-D-E-O-N, but that's like this precursor tragic space opera. Hmm. Um, and I've only looked into it a little bit because there's a parody series probably on like YouTube called Aedion Off, which is like a redub. Um, but looking into it, it looks really sad, and we should check it out. <laughs> it seems more, uh, not realistic, but yeah, it just seems more tragic than the contemporary pieces. So maybe it wasn't geared towards children. I don't know. Mm. So I, th- I think part of my appreciation for this Neon Genesis was like having watched it as like an early teen. And I feel like that is like the target audience of this. Oh, yeah, it's definitely a, is it called Shonen? Which is young boy anime? Yeah. And then there's shoujo. Is that young girl anime? Shoujo. Shoujo. Okay. And then there's like words that make sense because they're come off of that. Like bishonen is like attractive young man and yes. or pretty young man, and yeah. uh, bishoujo is like pretty young girl. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. B basically means like beautiful. How fascinating. Uh, should we should we watch Evangelion? Yes. Even, I think Evangelion, Evangelion. I like Gellion, personally. More, the more japanese way. Yeah, I think jelly sounds weird, Gellion. Uh, but, but that's how you'd say it in English, right? 
or no? Like evangelical? Evangelical, evangelion. Yeah, you're right. That's how you'd say it in English. But I do think the more otaku way is evangelion. Okay, that's fair. But the V, so here's a little Japanese tidbit. So there is no VB distinction in Japanese. Okay. Like um, saying it out loud. Like that's just, those aren't different sounds in their alphabet. So they like wrote it in a way that kind of like in standard Japanese, there is no way to pronounce it. They use W with these like marks on it to signify that it is a V versus a B. Oh, weird. I don't know if that makes sense, but... And, no, and no, that makes... So does it end up like when a Japanese person just reads it, do they read Evangelion? I think still in the show, they say it with the B sound, but I think it's kind of like like a Chinese thing, be like XI, whatever, versus like Z-E-E, and like you pronounce it like it's like Z-E-E, mm-hmm. but it's like kind of like representing some sound that isn't really in English or something. Like it looks exotic because it's an X, even though we just end up pronouncing it like a Z. Oh, okay. Yeah, that is weird. Okay, so that's the point is that it looks exotic, but we know how to pronounce it. Interesting. I think so. I think based so. Based on the rest of our language, or based on how, how we uh, or like, uh, uh, interpret the rest of our language. All right. should, should we finally watch this thing? Yeah, I love it. I was just looking at the time. We should, we should get started. Let's, uh, let's watch this shit. Oh, fuck, I hit, no. Oh, no, what are you at? Okay, 2324. 2324. We're back to zoom in of the Kabbalah. Oh, track. no. Oh, gosh. <laughs> 2324. Hold on. It like reloaded right. and then it was okay. 2324. I'm catching up to you. I'm no, 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 no. Oh, Wait, what's up? Sorry, I'm probably like drunk now. I love it. Awful. <laughs> um, what, what's this like Kabbalah tree thing all about? What's going on? Oh, okay. So um, I haven't researched it, but I can tell you what I know. Uh, oh, so and far, I see a thing um, that says separate. The branches all say separate. Yeah, the, that's uh, uh, each of the branches on the tree of life, which is what that is. Uh, I think it's the tree of life or maybe the tree of knowledge. I'll have to look into it. So it's Kabbalah, right? Uh, Jewish mysticism. The way it's written out is really interesting because it's, it's written in uh, Latin or, or, or English, well, Rom- Roman script, right? Whereas in some of them, you'll see it's just the uh, Hebrew uh, letters. Yeah. And Hebrew, I found out, does not have, when it's written, it doesn't have vowels. So you have to know through context or guess what a word is, which is really interesting. But wow. so the, yeah, I've never the, heard of a language like that. Huh. Okay, so the, um, the tree of life, I think, or maybe the tree of knowledge, right, tree of life. Uh, is it has these branches or sephiroth, right? And uh, it's kind of like chakra, not in that like they are points in our body, but more that they are points along like a tree of enlightenment, I think. Um, and so each of those, each of those bulbs at the end of a branch, uh, represents, uh, a a meditative state or a perspective on the world, I think. And I'm going to research this, uh, uh, for future episodes. I actually just, uh, uh, read up on and did illustrations of the, um, the chakra, um, Mm. for this time, because I noticed some things that I thought might be, I don't know if they were thought of this way, but I think there are uh, parallels between chakras and the avas, and through the avas also their pilots. Hmm. Um, like I think they represent different chakras and different uh, states of consciousness. Hmm. Yeah, I don't know much about like chakras. Some people have tried to like link them to kind of like different like hormones and like organs in your body and stuff like that. 
So let's uh, start it before we go off on another tangent. You're like tricky. Let's like watch this. Shit. <laughs> no, not at all. I think you're the state you're in is very flowy. And so we're getting to some good ideas. <laughs> all right. We'll figure that out later. Uh, okay. So 23, 24. 23, 24. Okay. So we're going to count it down together. Sure. Three, Three two, two, one. But we could kind of not actually get to watching the episode of the first thing and just be like, all right, we're going to watch it. Like, three, two, one. And then, like, the intro music starts playing, and then that's the end of the episode. <laughs> all right. Your, your grimace is like, this doesn't seem like a good idea. No, I think it's funny. I just wasn't looking. <laughs> well, I think it's really funny if you if the first episode ends there, right? And then the second episode. But if we drop them both at the same time, right? If we drop the first and second episode and they're like, oh, it's over? Oh, well, I guess the second episode's there. Yeah, so I guess maybe that's it for uh, Pen Pen Pals. If you guys have any thoughts, any comments, please let us know. Email us at penpenpalpod at gmail.com or tweet us at penpenpalpod. Oh, I'm going to have to learn how to Twitter. Yeah. I've never Twittered. Tweeted? Tweeted. But that's the act of sending one out, right? Yeah. Like the yeah, the so act of maybe. participating? Yes, Twittered, maybe. <laughs> okay, so that's on our to-do, make a Twitter. Yeah. <laughs>